All right, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 3. Let's read that, we'll pray, and then we'll get started. Okay, soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Okay? So that's the text that we are talking about tonight. Okay? So let's pray, and we'll ask God to plant this word on our hearts. Amen? Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to worship you through music and worship you through prayer. And now we get to worship you through um, the reading and the discussion of your word. I just pray that your spirit would be here with us, teaching us these heavenly things. Um, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, if I had to title tonight's message, I would I would title it "No Best Friends." Okay, "No Best Friends." That's that's tonight's title for tonight's message. Okay, so later on you're gonna think, "No Best Friends." Why am I thinking about that? Ah, yes, Luke chapter eight, verse one through and three, and you you get to like think about the sermon. Okay, all right. So let's. Um, I'm just gonna go through the scriptures a little bit. I'll throw a little insight into there, and and we're just gonna try to ask ourselves, what is it that God desires for us? Yeah? What is it that God desires for, for, for me as a teenager, or for you as a teenager, uh, for, for me as a young adult, or for me as a leader? Like, what is it that collectively God desires for us as his people? That's what we want to answer tonight. Okay? And we're going to kind of talk about no best friends. Yeah, it all, it's all kind of interrelated. All right, so first thing. So we're just going to start from the beginning and we're going to kind of move through there. Soon afterward, okay, um, and we talked about this last week. Soon afterward, what did Jesus, what, what was last week's message? Anybody know? It's a story about a lady. Anybody know the lady and what she was doing? Keone, help us out. Yeah, the sinful woman comes up to Jesus, doesn't say anything, and is just weeping, just weeping. Everybody knew she was a sinner. She knew she was a sinner. Jesus was eating uh, or, or was at the house of a Pharisee. The Pharisees knew who the sinners were. She came into the presence, uh, in, into the house. She's standing be- behind Jesus. Um, Jesus kind of cruising, and she's just weeping, and her tears are falling on Jesus' feet, and she starts wiping his feet with her hair and then she gets out this this perfume and starts dumping it on his feet and just anointing the lord and wiping it with her hair and just weeping jesus turns to her and says your sins are forgiven yeah because of your faith in me like her faith in jesus like she sought out jesus yeah in order to forgive her of her sins to make her whole there's something about jesus that gains her attention and she uh wasn't ashamed enough of her sin 
to stop her from going to Jesus. You know what I mean by that? That sometimes our shame keeps us away from Jesus. Our sin keeps us away from the church. Our sin keeps us away from the community of faith. But her sin, yeah, she was ashamed by it. But she was ashamed by it so much so that it moved moved her to Jesus. That she was unashamed about her sin and it led her into the Lord, yeah? So right after that, little anointing, that little like moment with this woman who Jesus redeemed, it says after that, he goes on preaching and proclaiming in different cities and villages, okay? So soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, okay? So Jesus, where did he go? Cities and villages, okay? Sometimes he went to the synagogues, sometimes he didn't. But we know that Jesus took his message elsewhere, yeah? Which means that Jesus didn't just keep it to himself. There's so much that we can read into this, yeah? Jesus took his message to cities and villages. There are people who dedicate their lives to taking this gospel message to places where they don't speak the language, they don't look like the people, they don't act like the people, they don't like the food, but because of the message that Jesus has, it's compelling them and they give their lives to it. Amen? And our challenge is, even though we're not going to the Philippines or Africa or Australia or China, that we are supposed to take this message yeah, to the cities and villages here. Like Jesus was a Jew, yeah, and he ministered to Jewish people. But then came along Paul, who was a Jew, but he took the message yeah, to non-Jewish people. Like Paul, in a sense, was the first missionary. And, and, and Paul took that message from the center and he started preaching it to all the people who weren't God's people. Yeah, and I just think here, like, I've, I've been doing youth ministry for over 10 years and, and there's been young people who have been a part of our ministry who are full-time missionaries. We just had one who came a couple weeks ago um, uh, who went to Hope Chapel. He was born and raised in Haiku. And he is living in Turkey. He translates the Bible, yeah, to Turkish people. Yeah, heavy, heavy. And he's in a place where uh, it's, he's not supposed to be. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay? So um, I think soon after Jesus went on through the cities and the villages, it should minister to us. Like there's a message that we have and there's a people group that God created for us to go and share. And I think maybe there's somebody here tonight who, who already knows. Yeah, I look at Ethan. I know Ethan already knows the people group that he is supposed to uh, share this message with. Yeah, He burdens for his peers. And, and Ethan isn't the only one. I know there's others in here that burden for their peers and they have a message. You guys have a message for that people group. Amen? Okay, good stuff, yeah? Great stuff. Good stuff? Great stuff. Okay, good stuff. All right. All right, next. Let's keep on going. So soon after, Jesus went through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. That, that, uh, that half a sentence is jam-packed. So let's talk about proclaiming real fast. Proclaiming uh, was done by, by, by a Herod. Okay? So a Herod was somebody who... Um, a monarchical figure would send to proclaim a message. So like a king or queen 
would grab a servant and say like, here, this is what I want you to proclaim on the streets. Or this is the message I want you to send to um, this governor or to this city or to this people group. So he was just a messenger of a weighted message. Not necessarily the message was weighted, but who that message came from was weighted. You guys understand that? Okay. So proclaiming has this uh, uh, almost piece of like an, an announcement is being made um, and it's coming from somebody who has much influence and much power. So Jesus went proclaiming a message of good news that the kingdom of God is now. That the kingdom of God is here. Yeah? So Jesus was the messenger. He was the Herod. And who was the one with all of the power and all the authority that sent Jesus? God the Father. Yeah? Anytime Jesus was question he was put on the spot he said i haven't come on my own accord but i've come on the accord of my father the words that i speak were spoken to me by my my father yeah that he was the one who was a direct uh intervention for the people uh that god was no longer just in the heavens but god became flesh and dwelt amongst men and in the form of jesus yeah that god wasn't distant anymore this was the good news, that God wasn't distant anymore. Actually, God was interwoven, active, and involved in their lives. Yeah? That was a different message than the message that the, the Pharisees were preaching. The Pharisees were preaching righteousness by what? Works. We've been talking about that. Jesus came and he said, we are made right before God, not by works only, but by faith in Jesus. That's kind of been the message that Luke has been kind of telling. This underlying message that it's not by righteous deeds that you end up in heaven. Yeah? But it's by faith in Jesus that usually results in righteous acts that lead to heaven. But really, it's faith in Jesus. Yeah? That Jesus is the only one. We are unashamed about Jesus. Like we, um, there's so many people in the world that love the Lord but they practice it in different places. Like you go to Africa, they're not sitting in a building like this. Yeah? Some places they only meet under trees. One Bible, no instrument, no choir, no sound system, one guy with a word and a group of people in the shade in this one tree in the middle of nowhere proclaiming the good news. Amen? But at the, at the same time, there's churches that are, uh, have a lot bigger building than this with a bigger sound system and a bigger band and a bigger choir and they get paid a whole lot more, yeah? And they got video and iPod and iCast and all these different ways of proclaiming the gospel, um, but it's still the same message. That we are made right before God through faith in Jesus. Like that is the gospel message, yeah? As simple as it gets right there. Okay, so Jesus came in these cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay? Uh, so I want to talk about that for a little bit. Yeah? Um, the kingdom of God. Like, what is this message? Like, what was the message that Jesus was delivering? I know I kind of talked about it a little bit, 
Okay? But the, the message that the good news, yeah, the good news that Jesus was proclaiming, okay, one, um, God's kindness. Yeah? That God no longer was holding man's sins against them. But he was looking at man with favor. Yeah? It's called grace. So you have judgment, mercy, and grace. Okay? So I'm going to elaborate that for you real fast. Real, real fast. So judgment, okay? So judgment would be receiving what you deserve. Because we're sinners, what do we deserve? Death. Yeah? Death and punishment. Because we're sinners, we deserve death. That's what judgment is. Okay? Mercy would be receiving what you know. Not receiving what you deserve. Okay? Brandon, come up here real fast, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. Okay, so Brandon's young, so not, I don't really know if he knows how to play this game. Mike Stu, come up here, Mike Stu. Yeah. Mike Stu's a little bit more old school. Okay, I'm pretty sure Mike knows how to play this game. Okay, so we're talking about mercy. All right, there's a great game. Okay, so you guys got to interlock your guys' hands. Okay. Okay, so inter interlock them, yeah, interlock them like this. Yeah, so just interwoven like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so when I say go, okay, they're going to try to like bend each other's hands back or forward and the, the word that you want to say to have the person stop the pain and the judgment is mercy. Okay, ready? Set and, and, and go. Good job, Brandon. You, yes, good job, Brandon. <laughs> Woo! John Mike Stu. Okay, so that's an old school elementary game that we used to play. And you would really like, it's just a guy game. I don't know, guys are physical. Okay, so you have judgment where because we're sinners, we deserve death. Mercy is God withholding what we deserve. So when we cry out, or when others have cried out in Scripture, Lord, have mercy on me. They're in, in a sense crying out to, to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I cannot handle the pain. I cannot handle the sickness. I cannot handle uh, the repercussions of my sin and sin around me. Lord, have mercy on me. It's a great prayer for us to have for our land. It's a great prayer for us to have for our families. Like, Lord, have mercy on my family. Have mercy on my friends. Maybe I have friends who are like not only non-Christians, but they're just gnarly people. They take advantage. They tease. They, they really have hate in them. Like, we can be the ones that stand in the gap for them. Like, Lord, have mercy on my friend. Like, they don't know what they're doing right now. They tease people. They cheat people. They, they have anger and bitterness in their heart. But Jesus, they, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, have, have mercy on them. Withhold judgment from their lives. That is a great prayer to be praying for your friends. Yeah? 
for praying for your aunties, your uncles. Lately, I've been thinking about, I'm just going to get on a soapbox real fast. Okay? Late, lately, I've been just thinking about families. This last Sunday, I, f- I felt so encouraged. Um, Taylor and, and Sierra's family in the first service, her, her mom and, uh, and, and the rest of her family were here. And in second service, uh, their uncle and the uncle's girlfriend and the uncle's daughter was in, in service. And I know the, uh, their grandparents go to church and we're just kind of praying for the other family members to come along, you know? And that was so encouraging for me that, that through your lives, others are coming, you know? And, 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 I, and I think about others here who, because of your life, your family members are going to come. You know, Jacob, I think about you. Like, you're here in part of Blair, you know? And the faith that she has. And I've seen your parents in church before. You know, but more than just attending a service, because of the faith that you guys live, your family members are, are being encouraged. I grew up in a Christian family, and I was able to encourage my Christian sisters and my Christian parents. There was a, there was a time where uh, my parents didn't go to church, and uh, my sisters kind of were, were having, um, they're developing families, and, and, and for a little season, they weren't going to church. And for a little while, the family that I grew up in, not only did we go to church, we read our Bibles and we prayed and we served in the church. Like we weren't just a church attending family. Like we, like that was our life, you know? And for a little bit, I was the only one. And I, and I think about you guys and the faith that you guys have in Jesus. Who here is going to live the life of faith so that their families can come? I mean, granted, we can go save the world, right? Like we can go to Africa and Australia and we can go to all these different places and do mission trips, but why not the mission field of our families? Amen? Those people you, you should care for already. Even in your anger, you care for them, you know? Like, wow, I hate my brother. But you love them, you know? It's like a love-hate relationship. Yeah? Okay, off the soapbox. The good news that Jesus was proclaiming, okay? Because of sin, we were destined for hell. That's judgment. Mercy is God withholding that judgment or us not deserving or or not receiving what we deserve. Okay, you guys got that? Judgment, mercy, and now I want to talk about grace. Okay? Grace is us receiving what we don't deserve. Okay, so judgment, receiving what we deserve. Mercy, not receiving what we deserve. Grace, receiving what we don't deserve. You guys got that? So judgment, we receive death because we're sinful. Mercy, we don't receive death and punishment because of the Lord's kindness. And grace, we receive a life in place of death. So because of Jesus, not only do we not receive judgment and punishment and death, not only is that withheld, but rather than just stopping there, Jesus goes far beyond just taking death away from us and he brings us life. 
John 10, 10 says, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to bring us life, and not just life, but life to the fullest, which means he doesn't just want us to exist, but he can give us passion and destiny and determination. Recently, I've been thinking about prayer a lot. And, and there is a certain prayer that Jesus can answer in your life that will absolutely change your life. And I talked about it the other week. So a lot of people pray for different things, like, Jesus, pray for my family members. It's not a bad prayer. Yeah. Heal people who are sick. That's a great prayer. Okay? Uh, sometimes, like right now, the economy is pretty bad, and some, some people are, are laid off. I just seen a friend today at, outside of Subway, and he just got laid off a construction job. There's a lot of people who are unemployed. So those are all decent prayers, okay? I don't want to bash the prayers that we prayed tonight, you know? But what about a prayer for a burden? What about asking God, like, God, give me eyes to see my friends how you see them. See, because you cannot redeem what you're not burdened for. Like, if you don't care for a, a person... It's hard for, hard for you to pray for them, you know? Like, it's easy for you to pray for your family members because you care for them. Maybe it's easy for you to pray for your peers. Why? Because you care for them. If you have no care for that person or that people group, it's going to be hard for you to pray. But what if we ask the Lord, Lord, give me eyes to see my friends how you see them. Give me a heart to feel how you feel towards my enemies. Like right now, I hate my enemy, you know? But Lord, teach me how to love them. Like when the Lord gives you a burden, when the Lord starts giving you anguish and he brings you to tears because of it, your whole life can change. You're going to act different. You're going to talk different. You're going to pray more. You're going to read more. Why? Because you understand that your life counts, that your life matters. That what you do makes a difference in their lives. That if I don't pray, maybe nobody else is praying for them. You guys feeling me? But Jesus, give me a, a burden. Like, I don't want to just exist in this world, get good grades or not get good grades or be popular or not be popular. You know? Like, give me a purpose. If John 10.10 10 says that you came to bring us life and life to the fullest, Jesus, I want to live the life to the fullest. If Psalms 139 says that all the days for my life have already been outnumbered and the grains, uh, the thoughts that you have for me outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. Lord, I want to know what it, your thoughts are for me. Amen? Who here wouldn't want to know what God's thoughts and his promises are for you? I don't think a single person here would raise that hand. I think we all, if God has been thinking about us for eternity, wouldn't you want to know what the secrets of your life are? Yeah. Exactly. We all would. Yeah. And really, it's going to come through prayer. Yeah. It's going to come through prayer. And I'm going to give you guys a scripture right at the end tonight that, that's going to wrap that all up. So the good news of the kingdom of God, in part, was that God was no longer in the distant. Yeah. Because what separated? There was God who is all holy, man who is sinful. Big problem. No longer can man who is sinful relate with a God who is sinless yeah, and holy. 
So you have man who is unholy, man and, and God who is holy, man who is sinful, God who is sinless. There's a problem, and that created a distance. Through Jesus and what Jesus did and the message that he brought, he was proclaiming in his life and his actions that God is here and he loves you. That God is no longer in a distance. God is here in the flesh and he's hanging out with you. So Jesus changed who was valued. Jesus hung out with the Pharisees who were the spiritual people. Yeah, He hung out with the tax collectors who were the rich people. But he also hung out with the sinners and the adulterers and women who at the time weren't uh, like of the hierarchy. Yeah. So we're going to branch into this second part. So not only did Jesus preach this message, yeah, this good news. For women, this was great news. Okay? This was great news. This was like the best news of all time. For guys, it was, was good, but you know, not as good for women. Okay? But guys were definitely grateful, but women were like ecstatic because they were valued now. That they were supposed to be treated equally. You know? Jesus brought that. Not only did he say the message, but he lived the message. Okay? Good stuff? It's good, man. It's good. Okay. Um, so second half of verse 2. Okay? And the 12 were with him. Okay, we talked about that the other week, the 12 apostles. Okay, so a discipler or a disciple is somebody who follows. Okay, so if you guys were all my disciples, yeah, and say I would walk with a limp like this, you guys would walk with limps like that. That's how the disciples followed their rabbi. The disciples in that time, whatever the rabbi did, the disciples did. So if I woke up in the morning and I went, oh man, they would wake up and go, oh man. Okay, they mimicked it. Yeah, identically. All right? The apostles, on the other hand, were the sent out ones. Okay? Disciples followed. Apostles were sent. So the 12 were with Jesus, and now they were, they were sent. Okay? They were moving, and they were proclaiming, and they were partnering with Jesus. Amen? Okay? And women, you guys, all the ladies in here. Okay? You guys can be shouting out some amens after this. Okay? Okay, verse 2. And also, everybody say also. also. Women, say also. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them, uh, and many others who provided for Jesus and the 12 out of their means. Okay? So I'm going to unwrap that for a little bit. So Jesus came proclaiming a good news that those who were valued in the world was all different now. So in, that, in those times, women weren't valued. Jesus steps on the scene and he says, women are valued now. Not just because they're women, but those women who were or who had this faith in Jesus. So it's not that Jesus just loved women. It's that he identified with the women who identified with him. The women who came to him and said, you are my Lord. I want to have like fellowship with my Jesus. This is good. It's 
It's by your faith you have been healed. By your faith your sins are forgiven. Okay? So I want to talk about these three women real fast. Okay? They're mentioned in this scripture. Yeah? Small in scripture, but really, people have been reading about these women for the last 2,000 years. We should probably gain some attention. First one, Mary. Yeah? What do we know about Mary? Like, not, not just mentioned here, but what do we know about Mary? She was, yeah, she was caught in the, the act of adultery. Okay? Maybe a little, little prostitution on the side, you know? So the moment that Jesus meets her, they throw, they throw Mary. So Mary was caught in the act of adultery. They grab Mary. They throw, him, or throw her at Jesus' feet. Yeah? And it was a custom for them to chuck rocks at her until she dies. Okay? So they, they, they have rocks in hand. Mary is at Jesus' feet, and they're like, what should we do? Yeah? And Jesus' response to them says, he who has not sinned, throw the first stone. And he just goes back, and he cruises, and everybody's like, oh, shucks, I'm out of here. Yeah? So we pick up the story here. Mary has her past. Yeah? And, and I'm pretty sure all those around Jesus, they know about her past. But, but let's look at what, how, how Jesus addresses her. Or, or how Luke addresses Mary, who was hanging out with Jesus. Okay? So Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That seems subtle, but there's a lot in there. Rather than saying, here is Mary, the former prostitute and adulterer. They say, this is Mary in whom seven demons had gone out from. That there's, there's two differences. That there was a label that was given to her by people. That she was a sinner and this is the sin that she had practiced and this is the sin that we are labeling her by. That she is an adulterer. Jesus looks at her and doesn't see the prostitute. He sees the demons. He loves her and hates the demons. Loves her, hates the demons. Loves her, hates the sin. Amen? And you got to hear that tonight. You got to hear that. That when God looks at you, He's not just looking at you and labeling you like most label you. Because people judge you by your actions. And rightly so. A lot of people are fed up like, ah, this guy's always judging me. Well, if you're always cussing at the person, what else am I supposed to say? Oh, you're a kind person? I'm a liar. Right? If you treat people bad, how am I supposed to speak lightly of you? If you're a good person, and on the other side, I say you're a bad person, I'm a liar. The world doesn't have the, the visual to judge you by character. Yeah. The world judges you by your actions. But praise the Lord that we have a God that looks deeper than that. Amen? And when I was your age, that was like the biggest message in the world. When I was your age, I was like, thank you, Jesus, that you look intently at my heart 
But after that inner twining, after that moment where I get to love upon the Lord, I no longer do the same actions. Amen? That I come to the Lord and I might be one way, but after that encounter with Jesus, I cannot no longer, I can no longer act the same way because I have interwoven myself with a love that I've never had before. I've found a God that is not distant, but a God that's involved in my life. He cares about me. He hears my prayers. He speaks to me at night. He speaks to me through my word. Yeah? Like God is making himself clear to me. No longer can I go on sinning the same all over again. Women, guys, this little phrase, Mary, yeah, whom seven demons came out of us, should testify to our lives. That Jesus isn't labeling you like everybody else labels you. Jesus looks into your life and he sees the person that he created. He sees the word that he's planted in you. And we're going to talk about that next week as when the word is planted in you and when it's grown, like what happens after that. But Jesus sees the fact that like he's been involving himself in your life from day one. And he sees the sins that's plaguing it. But it doesn't mean he doesn't love you any less. Yeah. One of the common ways that we express sin in somebody's life um, is, is like a mother who looks at her, her child that has a disease. You think that mother loves a child any less? Hopefully not. If anything, it might cause that mother to love that child more. Similarly, not perfectly, but similarly, God looks at our lives. He sees the sin in our lives. And it's not that he loves us any less. In fact, he loved us more. How do we know that? I'm not just throwing that out. God's response to the sin in our lives was the fact that he sent Jesus Christ to the cross. That in Romans, Paul teaches that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus died for me. That when I was at my worst, Jesus gave his best. Amen? Jesus gave his best when I was at my worst. Jesus is looking at you and no longer judging you by your actions. He's loving you, yeah, by his choice. And we need to have faith in Jesus because Jesus is the one who forgives us of our sins. Because of Jesus being on the cross, we have forgiveness and we're made pure and whole all over again. So our hope is when we get to heaven, he doesn't just see us, but he sees the blood of Christ like poured over us, you know? Amen. And that's why like our faith is firmly rooted and established on Jesus because without Jesus, all we have is sin. Yeah? All we have is sin. Okay, so a couple more women. Okay, let's wrap this up real fast. So we got Mary. Okay. Um, Joanna, the wife of Shusa, who is Herod's household manager. I'll just talk about Herod. Herod, okay, was in relationship with his half-brother Philip's wife. Okay? So we have Herod, okay, is in relationship with Philip's, and Philip is, a half, is his half-brother. 
So Philip's half. So Herod's half brother Philip's wife is their niece. Okay, is their niece. So Philip is in relationship, like married to his niece, whom left him and is now in relationship with one uncle to the other. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, talk about keeping it in the family. Okay. And so, uh, Joanna, okay, is the wife of Shusa, who is Herod's household manager. Okay. And Herod, so Herod is like gnarly. So Herod's mistress, niece, person was the one whom was the reason why John the Baptist got beheaded. That Herod said, anything you want, I'll do. And she's like, yeah, give me the head of John the Baptist. All right. Whank. So that's the, that's the niece slash wife mistress person. Okay. So in the midst of that chaos and that ruler, his household manager that guy's wife was hanging out with Jesus. Pretty cool. Okay? That regardless of all that chaos, Jesus hand-selected her, redeemed her, and now she's serving the real king. Okay? Husband serving the king of the land, wife serving the king of all kings. Okay? One more. Okay, and then the last woman that is mentioned is Susanna. Okay? What do we know about Susanna? Nothing. We don't know anything about her. The only thing we know about her is mentioned right here. That she was one of the women who served the king. She served Jesus. But because she served Jesus, we are still talking about her now 2,000 years later. Yeah. All she did was serve Jesus. And her name got written in here. You know, Mary, eh, Joanna. Who else am I going to write down? Luke is like, eh, Susanna. She's pretty amazing. What does she do? She serves the Lord. I hope that if Luke was writing the story about Jesus and I was there, that, my, that I would be her. Right? I don't need any other special role than just to be the servant of the king. Amen? Amen. What other great honor should we desire other than I serve the king? Yeah? I serve the king. What do you do? I serve the king. He tells me, I do it. He tells me not to do it, I don't do it. So these three ministered to Jesus out of their means. Jesus showed perfect love. So what is perfect love? Not only did Jesus love them, but Jesus allowed them to love him. See, it's easy for us to do for people, yeah? It's easy for us to send a card, to buy a present, to give somebody a ride, but it's hard for us to ask for a ride. It's hard sometimes to receive a gift, yeah? It's tough for us to receive from people when we don't deserve it. Agree? 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's like humbling to receive from people. Yeah? Like you end up so much more grateful, but it's like hard. Yeah? You almost get broken sometimes. Like I've been brought to tears before when people serve. Like every year we have a youth camp. And this last year we had like over 50 leaders. Like that is like, how do I repay that? You know? Like how do I repay that? Like I cannot repay that. All I do is receive it. Like I allow, I allow those leaders to, to love me and serve me that way. You know? It's, it's completely humbling. It's dumbfounding. That emotion that I felt and that you guys have felt before is what Jesus was feeling. That not only was Jesus the spiritual father, but he allowed them to be the ones that provided for him. That he was so intertwined with them that if they didn't cook food, he wouldn't eat. That where would we, where would we uh, sleep at night? Wherever the ladies tell us to go sleep. What should we do with the food and clothes and, and shelter? Wherever the women lead us. Like, yeah, they would go from place to place, but the women would take care of them. And the women provided for them out of their own abundance. Out of what they had, they served. Yeah? And we had a God in the form of Jesus who not only gave them life, but he received from them. Do you guys hear the message of relationship there? That it wasn't just one-sided. That Jesus, Jesus didn't just preach a good news and then tell them like, okay, we're going to eat here and we're going to sleep here and then we're going to go here. I'm sure he had input. But for the most part, he allowed them to minister to him. Last week we talked about a woman who weeped on him and washed his feet with her hair. Talk about being uncomfortable. Not Jesus. He's like, what's up? I'll take all you got. She was pouring her heart, heart out and Jesus was like, yes. Go for it. How many of us would do that? We're like, I don't wash my feet. You know? Like it just would feel so weird. For somebody, like I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation. When somebody's like knelt at your feet crying or praying for you or wiping your feet or washing your feet. I've been there. It's nuts. It's nuts. And it was worse then because they never have shoes and socks. It was like dirty feet. And Jesus was king of kings, but he had dirty feet too. And she's washing his feet with her tears and with ointment. Man, God is in like the most intimate of relationships that he can be with you guys. Yeah. So Jesus not only preached this message of value and how to treat people, but Jesus practiced it in how he treated people and who he valued. He valued women. Yeah. He allowed them to serve him. Yeah. He allowed them to provide for him. Yeah. He's in relationship with us today. And, and, and I really feel like, like God is like, like how do people, how, how are people going to know about Jesus? Through us. The biggest of all messages out there, 
the, the largest life calling out there is that Jesus is dependent upon us. That Jesus says, hey, I am giving you the good news to go and preach it. I'm giving you the good news to go and share it. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and the power to go and practice it. The world is going to know about me through your life. What a mission. What a mission. What a privilege and honor we have by God to go and be his mouthpiece, to be his hands and his feet. Like if somebody's going to feel love, yeah, they're going to feel it from us. Say somebody's cold and homeless and need a blanket. How are they going to get a blanket? From us. Somebody's hungry. How are they going to eat? From us. You guys go to, go to school or you guys hang out with other peers your age. How are people going to get encouraged? From us. From the cars that we send them. From the phone calls that we make. Yeah? From the times that we show up when nobody else shows up. Like there's such like a, a responsibility, but it's almost like enlightening, you know? It's not like a, a burden. Like, oh man, I got to serve Jesus. You know, it's like, yeah! Like God is like stoked on me and, and he allows me the opportunity to go and tell people about him. To, to be Christ to them. And in order for all these blue chairs to get filled up, yeah, we need to do this. Like if you say you love Jesus and you're not doing it, nobody's going to come to church. Your friend's not going to come because you're gonna, they're going to look at you and say, hey, you pray at the flagpole and then you're like living a totally different life. Aren't you supposed to be about love? If God is love, aren't you supposed to be love? I mean, if I was a non-believer, that's what I would say. You go to church, you represent Jesus. Seems like a lot of pressure, but really, it's really not. All it is is us caring for people. Have you gotten a ride from somebody before? Give them a ride. You know? Like, how have you felt loved? Go do that. It's not a mystery. Okay? It's not a mystery. Yeah? So. No best friends. The reason why I titled today's message, No Best Friends, is because really, everybody's supposed to be best friend. Like if you have a best friend, that's how you're supposed to treat everyone. Because if you say one person is their best friend, I don't know, maybe consciously, you just treat other people different. But really, we shouldn't. We should value everybody like they were our best friends. Like go above and beyond, right? Like if somebody calls you at night, Answer the call. If they need help with something, it could be a random stranger or it could be somebody you talk to like randomly, like, hey, I need help. Shoot. Drop what you're doing and go help them. Some of you guys do this really good. Yeah? Like I see how you guys treat one another and you guys are doing this already. But let this be an encouragement to all of us that in order for us to change the world, we have to do this well. How do you guys know? How do I know that? Acts chapter 2. Jesus dies. He gets resurrected. 50 days later, he goes to heaven. The Holy Spirit is sent upon 120 people. And the church is born. 
And if you read that Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church, it says that they gave to each other out of their need. Like really, there was no need there. Why? Because everybody brought everything in. It was like a garage sale. Like everybody brought this stuff into the same house. And if you needed something, you just go grab it. Everybody cared for one another in that way. Yeah. Can we be that type of people? Like if you need something, you have to ask. That's hard, yeah? It's hard to do. Okay? I've like, been doing this a long time, and it's hard for me to ask people. Because sometimes they might say no. I'm like, I hate you now. You know? Can you help me? No. Ah. It hurts, but we got we to gotta step out there sometimes. And if somebody steps out and asks you for help, please help them. If not, they're going to feel jacked, you know? Or at least give them a good answer. Like, I really want to, but I, I cannot, you know? Like, any other time, I hope you, you know? Like, try to give them a good answer. Don't say, no, I don't like you, you know? I don't want to. Okay? So no best friends. Really, let's all value one another because that's what God's people did. Yeah? Jesus treated people with value. We should treat people with value. Amen? Is that good for anybody? Okay. Um, let's pray. And I got a couple announcements and then you guys are out the door. Oh, yeah. Wait. One more verse. Just to wrap that up. Luke 8.10. We're going to talk about this next week, but it also is a wrap-up to this week. Luke 8, verse 10. And Jesus said, everybody say, and Jesus said. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Okay? Jesus played this game and he taught in parables. But we've been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. All the things I just shared with you guys, you guys don't know it because I shared it to you. You guys already know it because Jesus has been revealing that to you. And as I say it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like know it, right? Already. It's almost like I said it and you're like, I've been doing it already. The secrets of the kingdom of God has been revealed to you special. It's like a wedding ring, yeah, that's been hand-delivered, yeah? Because Jesus doesn't just throw diamonds all over the place, which makes it meaningless, you know? Like say a barge of diamonds came in and they just started like throwing diamonds all over the place. A diamond wouldn't be worth as much. But it's special, it's chosen, and that secret of the kingdom of God is being planted in your hearts. But it's not just information. It's a lifestyle. The kingdom of God is how we treat one another. That God is looking at us with favor and he's treating us as friends. So let's treat others as friends.